This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good afternoon, Cherries fans. Good afternoon, Coventry fans. Good afternoon, Luton fans. Good afternoon, the whole of the EFL and, of course, the Premier League as well. We have a very, very special show for you today. So, of course, the Premier League final fixtures. Of course, we are away at Everton are on Sunday, the 28th of May. But before that, on the Saturday, there is the Championship Playoff Final. And we will find out who will be joining ourselves and the other 17 teams in the Premier League. And of course, Burnley and Sheffield United, who will also be joining the Premiership next season. There's only one man, really, to talk about the EFL with. He is an expert on the Championship. His side, Ipswich Town, have just been promoted to the Championship themselves. So massive congratulations to them. It is the one and only Benjamin Bloom. Welcome back onto the show, Benjamin. How you doing, mate? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting week. The week in between the playoff semis and the final. Yes. Obviously, last week was massively hectic. I tweeted half jokingly, half seriously, that if I hear another. Quote, quote, tweet or whatever about the Wembley pitch size or how much allocation anybody has sold. I'm going to do my nut. And it'd be nice to just get to the um, get to the football at the weekend because most of the fans, um, the one-upmanship normally involves how many tickets they've sold this week. But fortunately, uh, we can get to the game and, um, yeah, it'll be decided on the pitch at the weekend. Definitely, definitely. And of course, you are an expert with the championship. You do your regular your show. Your words, every not game. mine. Honestly, you are, mate. You are. <laughs> you know, some of the stuff that you come off and off the top of your head, you know it all. Um, but congratulations, has to be said, because your beloved Ipswich Town have been promoted to the championship as well. Yes, Ipswich had their first good season in about 20. You know where the... We founded the Blue Monday podcast. I don't yes. know any of your listeners might have heard it at one point or other. Actually, we won't, Ipswich and Bournemouth won't have actually been in the same division since we've been doing that. You've been up in the Premier League. But we always used to say, Craig, just give us one good season. 
That's all we're asking for. One season with a playoff and a win. That'll do us, you know. It's been so kind of barren since, well, 2000. No, 2000, yeah, was the last promotion. And you then have to go back to to the last one before that was 1991. It's basically one promotion in 30 years until this season. So it's been a very fallow um, period. And um, as you guys know, you know, promotion is something that, you really, really remember and you really you know, love that group of players. So we've been very lucky and we're very fortunate to have had that one good season this season. Excellent stuff. And of course, um, you'll be in the championship with Norwich. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you can get the better over them next year. Have you seen our record against Norwich? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but you never know. You never know, Benjamin. You never know. Momentum is a is a funny thing. Um, and it's up for Ipswich at the moment and down for Norwich. But we've thought this before and they have continued to beat us for the last decade or so. So I will I'll keep very quiet and we'll hope the scheduling and the fixtures. We need everything behind us. We hope, maybe, we can get them really early in the season. That it might be, might be one we can we can do something in. But I'll I'll say no more. Yeah, definitely. Well, you never know in football. You never know because the two teams that are in the playoff final, if you told them that they were going to be in the championship playoff final ten years ago, they would have thought you was absolutely mad, wouldn't they? Yeah, um, so Luton have been all the way down in the National League uh, mm-hmm. since then. And I don't know if you know the story, but it's uh, it's the it's the usual stuff. It's always ownership and, you know, trouble off the pitch. So it's very rare that, you know, it's managers and teams and players that for a long fall are actually responsible. It's normally organisational poor decisions over years and years. But Luton, I think they had a 30-point deduction one they of the did. seasons, didn't they? Yeah, it was, believe it or not, it was the same season as we was on minus 17. So back in 2008, 2009. So what league was that? League 2. So League 2, 2008, 09. So, they, so you survived, yes. that's right, is it? And they would yep. have gone down that season to the National League. And I've... Been fortunate, actually. Uh, I've been working at ITV at the weekends, and Don Hutchison and Sam Parkin were both <laughs> around during the drop. You know, they were t- towards the ends of their careers, brought in to try and help out. But take thirty points off most teams, and you, <laughs> you, you know <laughs> where you're gonna where you're gonna end up, don't you? Unless you're a, basically a, we, we assume in a twenty four team league. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it's a bit different in, in League Two because only two go down. But in the 24-team league, 75 for the playoffs, 45 to survive. So you basically have to be a playoff team to survive anything less than that. Yeah. And you're probably going to get a bit more help in League Two because only only two drop. But yeah, incredible for Luton. And Coventry, very similar. We've all seen them play at Northampton and at mm-hmm. Birmingham. And even this season off the pitch has been a bit silly you know with that start to the season where the pitch was damaged by a rugby tournament and then uh the ownership of the club changed but the leaseholder of the stadium went to the um group owned by mike ashley and there was some strange you know uh what would you call it tenant and 
landlord situation there for a few weeks. And um, what it does go to prove, though, is that if your operational work is continually good, yeah. that that compounds over over years and years, and you get that you just get that improving. Oh, that sort of growth, I don't want to sound like David Brent, but that sort of growth mentality, that growth mindset just continues whatever division you're in. And they've both very, very steadily, you know, moved up and up and up. And um, a few failures this season by, I mean, it's the parachute teams we expect to be in there. Norwich, Watford, West Brom all failed. And Luton, third. Coventry, fifth in the end. And here we are. Well, of course, they all both had managers that took them from League Two all the way to the championship as well. Pretty much like we did with Eddie Howe. Um, Mark Robbins, of course, at Coventry. And I know he's not there anymore, but Nathan Jones took Luton from the League Two. Um, and of course, they spent five years in the National League. They were beaten by AFC Wimbledon and York in two successive playoff yeah, lost playoffs a couple of times, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's a remarkable story. Of course, he had that time at Stoke as well, but what was really the emphasis and how well those two managers done have done to get them into that position? Mm. I mean, it's interesting comparisons, isn't it? Um, I know Bournemouth fans get a bit touchy about the contribution of Maxime Denim, yeah. but um, or the, the perception of fans outside. The way I see it is that several things can be true at the same time, that, yeah, Bournemouth probably had more spend than Luton and Coventry, but I think you can draw the comparison with... It's difficult because, like you say, Nathan Jones went away and came back. I suppose yeah. Eddie Howe went for a very he short did. time, didn't he? But... Um, Nathan Jones was gone for pretty much a whole year. Mark Robbins has been with them. But uh, the comparison there with Eddie, Eddie Howe was much younger at that point. Yes. Whereas Mark Robbins is actually a very experienced and savvy manager now. Um, sorry, what was the question? Was the, the manager... So, right again for me, sorry. No, that's all right. So with regards to the two managers, you know, how have they effectively evolved these two sides? Right, over yeah, yeah. Time? Sorry. Um, so a lot of it is, and this is not to denigrate what's happened, but a lot of it is the clubs were at a lower ebb than they should be. You know, they're yeah. both, I don't know how old you are, but I remember Luton and Coventry, certainly Coventry were, were Premier League team the whole time, a top flight team while I was growing up. Luton were there, I suppose more in the 80s, wasn't it, yeah. um, then. Um, so there was a bit of an idea of, look, let's just get the clubs back on the right track. And, uh, you know, I, I know fans get frustrated with, you know, where people say the level of a certain team is. And, you know, you'll, a lot of people will get upset if you say, well, oh, a Sheffield Wednesday or a Derby, not really their level in League One. But that's that's where they are. And I, I think a certain part of it was just resetting, getting organised. And you would then have... Coventry and a Luton, maybe Coventry you'd have maybe a little higher level given all the years at the at the Premier League level. Certainly not National League and League Two. So I think there was an element of that for both of them. 
Um, I think it's hard. I'd say Nathan Jones was tactically slightly more, that was his edge than Mark yeah. Robbins, I think. And Nathan Jones actually changed as, as they went. They were famed for, well, you've got Jack Stacey at, at Bournemouth, didn't you? So yes, the, the two fullbacks, Justin and Stacey and a 4-4-2 diamond and all of that good stuff. Um, Mark Robbins was known for playing through the thirds in League One and in that COVID season, they did go up on points per game commentary, but they were, you know, they were clearly the best side in the, in the division. I don't think anyone's got any... <laughs> all the fury went to Wickham for the points per game thing there rather than uh, Coventry. Um, but yeah, just clever recruitment, develop... It sounds so straightforward when you say it because it's what everyone would wish to do. Clever recruitment, development of players stability, all of the key markers you'd put to, you know, a successful side. They've just done year upon year upon year. And, um, yeah, you, you make a good point about Nathan Jones going away and coming back. And, obviously, it's Rob Edwards who's uh, in the final with 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 Luton now, who's taken on, you know. <laughs> and, and that's not to say this is all Nathan Jones' work or Robert is clearly a combination of, two good managers there, um, you know, working in the same job there at Luton. Of course, Rob Edwards was at uh, Watford as well um, after he did leave Forest Green in the summer. But his time at Watford wasn't very fruitful at all, was it? Um, I, I don't even know if I can say yes or no to that because <laughs> it was so disappointing and so short. You see this star young manager in League Two and he's got... The plum job outside the Premier League is the year one parachute team in the championship. You think, bosh, I can get a run at that. I can get promoted and I'm a Premier League manager, you know, that hasn't just been dropped straight into the Premier League with, you know, six weeks or whatever to get it right before I get sacked from that job. And yeah, unfortunately, who am I to say, if you own your house, you can paint the walls, whatever colour you like and have the garden, however, however you see fit the Watford ownership can do that but um and look I like Watford as a as a club I've been there many times I like the people I don't want to come across as you know schadenfreude towards Watford but what more of a lesson can you get from sacking a manager too early than he's in the playoff final with your greatest rivals who have got um a very much smaller budget and um sort of size footprint than than you have so um Maybe they'll learn from that. Maybe they won't. With Watford as well, you know, they were one of my favourites to go up from the championship this season. Um, you know, the strength of the side looked very, very good. Um, but I think with them, you know, changing their manager every so so often, you know, is really having that negative effect. Yeah, and it's one of those, it works until it doesn't work. And yeah. the argument always back that you couldn't really, you couldn't beat this argument was, well, you know, in the Premier League for a lot of years and, um, you know, they bounced back in the in the COVID season. And even in that season, they had Vladimir Ivic and they changed him to Cisco Munoz. And then he lasted 10 games and then it was Claudio Ranieri. Then it was yeah. Roy Hodgson, wasn't it? It's just, you know... Uh, crazy, but you know that that one season where I think it's 12 today, or um, and yeah. the clock's clock's ticking one more year of parachute payments. We mentioned them a lot, but mm-hmm. that 
extra money once it's disappeared you know you're you're in the crowd with everyone else and three other teams are coming down from the Premier League with able to get those players that you could have got a year ago that now you can't get and they're going to go and play for them yeah exactly these two sides though going back to Coventry and Luton um, you know, it will be massive this playoff final to have all that money coming in because, of course, like you say, Coventry don't actually own their ground. I believe it's owned by Mike Ashley at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's difficult because in, in the headlines, it's far sexier and more clickworthy to say Mike Ashley because we all know him yeah. from Newcastle. But it's the it's the Fraser group that he. I don't think he's the CEO of it anymore. I think he kind of sold mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but um, I don't want to get into all the succession type um, stuff that we see on the on the telly. But these people are, even if they're not sat in the main seat, you know they have a big say in what's going on. But yeah, so Doug King is now the owner of Coventry since yeah. oh, Coventry fans are correct me October November sort of time. But you are correct to say that um, and, and stadium, a different company owns that. And of course, um, Luton still at the Kenny. Um, of course, that, that it's the most amazing away end, isn't it, really, in the championship, if not the football league, actually, walking through somebody's back garden. There's been loads of pictures and loads of memes on it over the, over the past week. But with regards to the Kenny, um, as amazing as it would be to see it in the Premier League for years to come, it's unlikely, isn't it? They will need to do something about that ground. Yeah, and I, I'm not entirely sure what to believe because you hear all sorts of things. You you hear a 10 million quid number that, mm-hmm. and of course, that been in the playoff final on May the whatever, 27? Yeah, the 27th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's written on there, written on the screen. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, my bad, right. my bad. Um, <laughs> but it's not a long time to turn around infrastructure to, you know, you go from goal line tech to VAR and all of a sudden your media requirements are quite significantly more as a Premier League club than they would be as a championship mm-hmm. club. And, you know, camera positions, if you're going to take the 100 million quid TV money, you've now got to give up. Um, X amount of space and positions for cameras and whatever that takes. I'd be lying if I was an expert in exactly all the safety protocol for fans. I mean, you probably have a better understanding with the, you know, it's just more space around that Bournemouth ground though, isn't there? In terms of being able to do stuff with parking and access and TV trucks and things of that nature. So. yeah, I mean, well, you tell me, how does it how does it work at, at Bournemouth? So, of course, it's all it. They've done a lot of work this season um, with regards to the ground, even since the last time we were in the Premier League. But we have got you know massive car park. You know, there is plans as well to extend, um, maybe potentially extend the ground in a temporary period, but also uh, build a new one. But um, there has been quite a significant amount of improvements that have been done at the football club. Okay. So look, I don't I don't know what the state of play will be. I suppose they'll have a plan um yeah. in place. I suppose any club that's ground maybe doesn't meet the Premier League requirements has to have that 
in their back pocket. You know, what happens if, you know, and it's, it's a brilliant problem to have. What happens if you get promoted and, and you're up there? Um, you hear talk about going over and sharing at MK, which is a, a beautiful stadium. And MK are obviously now in League Two after their relegation uh, this season. But honestly, you'd, you'd rather have the have the season at your own at your own ground and you know maybe make a bit less money out of it and whatnot it's that's that's the catch-22 isn't it it's do you want this to be an authentic experience and not not even the intangible stuff there of the enjoyment for the fans they mm-hmm. they'll win more games if it's at <laughs> Kenilworth Road than if it's at Stadium M- MK that'll be easy for Premier League teams and their fans maybe won't quite buy in in the same way they would but look I'm not going to profess to be an expert in the safety side of it and the certification yeah. and what extra policing um needs to be done in in that regard but it would be a it would be a hell of a lot of fun and I guess a nice problem for them to have and at least one season but um there so it was supposed to be power court by the M1 yes. where the new stadium is going to be I think it's a different site closer to Luton now forgive me I'm I've discussed this before but um I'm not a total expert but that's not close so certainly yes. not um where would we be first weekend in August certainly not well, I mean what is that 10 I can't, can't it's probably about 10 weeks, weeks yeah probably yeah, about 10 12, weeks before the yeah. season restarts but of course both of these sides have had that a fantastic season um, in fact, you know, you look at the goal scoring charts and of course, Victor Gorkarez has scored a hatful of goals this shit season. Uh, Gustavo Hamer scored the goal to get Luton, uh, sorry, Coventry into the playoff final. And of course, with regards to Luton, uh, Peli Impa- uh, Ruddock Impanzu could be the first player to go from the National League all the way to the Premier League if they win promotion. But Benjamin, how have they done this season, both of these sides? How have their seasons gone? Um, well, they both had sort of slow-ish starts and we had this situation very much like yourselves in Fulham last year yes. where you're kind of looking at it and it's like, okay, top two are zooming away and clear. And as I mentioned before, the failure of the parachute teams wasn't, honestly, it wasn't, apparent really until right at the end of the season you know there was still a chance that I suspect if you put good form in for all of Norwich Watford and West Brom for say the last five six seven games just tacked on a few points probably all all would have been able to get in there so and again I'm really not wanting to denigrate from Luton or Coventry's teams would Luton get like 80 points in the end which is a excellent excellent total always worthy of the Playoffs, eight. I know Plymouth missed it in League One, but Championships a little bit different in mm-hmm. that in that regard. Um, there, so they both had slow starts. Coventry's was due to the farcical thing with the pitch being damaged, and um, the way I had it explained to me by somebody who would know is yeah. they were basically in pre-season mode for another six weeks longer. They just couldn't get couldn't get going with home games getting cancelled, constantly playing away. So Coventry didn't actually win a game until October. And we're right yeah. down at the bottom of the league. But don't don't mischaracterise this. I know you guys had lots of fun and games with the Forest fans last yes. season. This, this <laughs> yeah. isn't a Nottingham Forest. Start incredibly badly, sack your manager, bring in a brilliant manager and bosh away, everything goes. 
this was already a good. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A good project at Coventry that was just delayed. Um, by the start of the season. Um, I think the key thing for Coventry was they didn't sell. The two players you mentioned, um, Gus Hamer, Victor Jokerez. There's Callum O'Hare as well, who unfortunately has been yeah. injured for most of the season, but another really good, really good player for Coventry. And this will be a theme with the final where you've almost got... <laughs> so it's like... It's like... Um, Luton are blur and Coventry are Oasis, right? Oasis yeah. have got Don't Look Back in Anger and um, Wonderwall. They've got the better hits, but yeah. maybe blur are the better all-round package in terms of a bit of variety. So I might use that comparison against it. Again, that's quite a good one. Um, but so you've got these star men at Coventry. Luton, as you mentioned with Nathan Jones, have maybe got the better process to say mm-hmm. commentaries is bad, but um, if I'm if I'm a Premier League club, if I'm Bournemouth and I want to yeah. I want to pinch a player from one of these teams, who do I hope's going to lose so I can pinch one of their players? Probably, probably I probably want Jokerez or or Hamer, despite the fact that people like Carlton Morris, um, Alfie Doughty has stepped up really nicely at Luton. Adebayo was the guy last year who's been quite yeah. at the level. This year, but then of course Luton had to cope with Nathan Jones going, and often when you get the, and that was the proof in the pudding for Luton it was: is this a just a brilliantly run club, or is Nathan Jones carrying them? No, it's just a brilliantly run club um, because in comes Rob Edwards, and you know you can we, we do, it's an unfalsifiable argument because Nathan Jones didn't stay there. We don't know whether they would have still been here or whether. Rob Edwards has improved them, but um, I thought Middlesbrough were going to finish third for the most yeah. part, and I thought Middlesbrough would actually be the favourites to win the playoffs. And mm-hmm. um, so for Luton to finish third is incredible. For Coventry to beat Middlesbrough in the semi-final and the way they did, were very pragmatically, very clever, very tournament football-wise savvy. Um, <laughs> such a flip of a coin now. This game. 
we saw, um, of course, last season, uh, Huddersfield beaten by Nottingham Forest. And it only took a Neil Warnock revival to keep them in the championship. For the losers of this game, how big is that risk? What a great question. So I've literally just written an article about exactly this. So I've, I've got all of these thoughts in my head. And you're totally right to ask the question because we've seen Huddersfield, Barnsley the year before as well. Um, who did they play in the... So you played Brentford, didn't you? And Barnsley lost to Swansea. would be right. But Barnsley yeah. had the mother of... They didn't get to the final, but mm-hmm. had the mother of all collapses. I don't think that happens to either of these clubs because the improvement has been so year on year that I don't see a situation where Huddersfield, they jumped from, let me get my numbers right, I think 20th in the table, I think to third. I think they jumped up 17 places. And I've said many times on my channel, a big rise is often unsustainable. It's much better to go gradually and build the foundations solidly. And then, of course, at Huddersfield that you rightly reference. Um, so Lewis O'Brien and Harry Toffolo were sold. Levi Colwell's loan ended. A few players were a year older. All of a sudden, Carlos Corberon's like, hang on a minute. This does not smell good. I'm, I'm out. There goes the manager. And the wrong appointment, which they made two of them, Danny Schofield and uh, Mark Fotheringham, yeah. And you are gone from 180 million pound game to potential relegation. And as you rightly say, only a Neil Warnock. Um, I don't foresee that happening. The risk is greater at Coventry for the reason I mentioned that they've got two players there mm-hmm. that clubs are really going to want. Even if they go up, clubs are still going to want to yeah. sign those two those two players. And for any Coventry fans that want to get upset, that's not me saying it's a two man team. I Absolutely did not say that, but I always make the comparison. Arsenal, Invincibles, Thierry Henry was still the star player. Yeah. <laughs> every team has to have a best player. When you guys went up, if you hadn't gone up, everyone, well, everyone wanted Dan Juma. Dan Juma goes, exactly. if you hadn't gone up, where do you think Solanke and Billing are going? <laughs> They're not staying in the championship with, with Bournemouth, are they? Every team has its best players. I would say Coventry's stand out a bit more, but... Is a Premier League club going to want to steal Mark Robbins away? Probably not. Is a parachute team? I don't, I don't think so. He's not Eddie Howe age, is he? Or Russ Martin, good looks and, and profile. No offence <laughs> to Mark Robbins. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying Russ Martin's going to get the Southampton job, isn't he? He's just, mm-hmm. just that, in that point in his career where the potential's all there and Mark Robbins is... I don't know how old he is. He's certainly um, been around a lot, lot longer than um, than someone like Russ Martin. But you're totally right to point out the the losers. I don't fear, and we're certainly not going to have a Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, a big gambler, Reading. All of yep. those teams have been in the playoff line. God, I. I would like to think that, oh, I, don't, I don't care, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I would think the size of Aston Villa would have saved them in the end. But you dread to think what would have happened if Aston Villa hadn't won the playoff final in 2019. Their parachute payments had run out. They FFP, okay, they could have sold Jack Grealish and 
they wouldn't have been selling for 100 million and they'd have been selling him for 8 million or something because they would have been a championship team and he wouldn't have bossed the Premier League the way he did. So I totally think you're right to ask the question because we've seen teams just fall off the cliff, but very different. Sheffield Wednesday and Derby gambled. Maybe Huddersfield, Barnsley were lightning in a bottle and were going to drop down. These two, I I don't see it. And I, you could almost see Luton particularly seeming the playoffs again next year if they didn't go up. Some people have said, and, and I saw a tweet actually earlier on today saying that this season's championship was a poor championship. Is that fair? I, Craig, I find that really hard to answer um, because it's what what is... Well, firstly, people yeah. say it every season, literally every season. And yes. the other thing is the psychology thing, what's my motivation? And yeah. often, not always, often people saying that are saying it because they're unhappy. Their team's mm-hmm. probably in the championship. They haven't done very well. And to make themselves feel better as an emotional crutch to cope, they're going to chop the legs off everyone and say, ah, oh, the league's poor this season. I know my <clears> team's <throat> crap, but so is everyone else. And now I feel better about my team because I've slagged off everyone else. So if we get those two, what I think are nefarious um, motivations for saying that out of yeah. the way, the argument that the championship has been poor this season would be, I assume, because the top two were away and clear. Yeah. And maybe some snobby people would say, how are Luton and Coventry in the playoff final if the championship's good? Obviously, we always say about the parachute payments, it's not a guarantee. You still mm-hmm. have to have good management. You have to be competent. You have to spend the money wisely and a head start and an advantage can be wasted. And um, as much as Norwich and Watford and West Brom have used that advantage before, they didn't use it this season. So I suppose you can also argue the relegated or the teams down the bottom, Huddersfield were able to rally. And let me flip the script, Craig. Yes. I'll identify what I thought was a great high quality championship season was 2018-19 where Norwich and Sheffield United were first and second. You had um, Bielsa's Leeds, that Villa team we just mentioned, West Brom with Barnes, Gale and Rodriguez, Derby with Lampard, Tamori, Mount, Wilson, etc. And teams like Bristol City spending good money and not being able to get into the playoffs. You know, that that season, the teams down the bottom could not win because the standard was high at the top. So... If that's your standard, that you have seven or eight teams at the top who are all decent, mm-hmm. then it's a poor championship because you had Burnley who were amazing, Sheffield United who were very consistent and not much below. I don't believe that makes it a poor season because no, you then had a, a more competitive playoff race. And because mm-hmm. often I look at the relegation race, Craig, and I'm like, these teams are bad. No one is going to mm-hmm. win three games out of five. It's not going to happen. But it did happen this season, particularly with uh, Huddersfield. I think there was a point where someone else shot clear as well. But Huddersfield's the obvious one. So, yeah, I can 
I can accept the argument so long as it's not been made by somebody snobby and it's not been made by somebody yeah. whose team's done bad and they just want to cut everybody else's leg off. But I I can accept it, but I don't I don't believe it myself, but I, I can't win the argument against someone who's saying it. To be honest, you've hit the nail on the head. It was get by, made by somebody whose team did very, very yeah. badly. It was made by Reading fans, so there you go. They did very well this season. Well, um, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And, and, I, and I've got sympathy for Reading fans, and they'll obviously point to a six-point deduction. But yes. in, in football discourse, and this is where I've been given a lot of credit for trying to be very, very neutral, unfortunately... The conversation, and you and I, I hope, uh, and we can be very dispassionate because we don't support Luton or Coventry. Neither of our teams are in the championship. So hopefully we don't have a dog in the fight here and we can be very balanced. But often the conversation is not credible. You know, there's bad faith because somebody does, I don't like this team because their player tackled my player 20 years ago and he broke his leg. And that's, that's awful for the player. But we have to have a balanced conversation and... Yeah, you know, the Reading fan might be right, but if they're yeah. saying it because of their emotions are unhappy, that's that's a bad faith take, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Um, before we let you go, um, do how do you see it going? How do you see it going? Who's going to go up? I hope I'm totally wrong, Craig, because I hope it's 2-2, two, 3-2 two, uh, and really exciting. Yeah. But both league games were draws. Um, both teams... So only Burnley had more clean sheets than both of these teams. So they're solid. They're good defensively. And if I'm Mark Robbins and I played pragmatic in the semis and it went so well, why would I not do the same again? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm sure you watched the um, playoff final last year, especially after your rival with Nottingham Forest. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're tight, aren't they? There's mm-hmm. more often than not, you know, one goal in it. And do we often get above 1.5? We certainly don't get above 2.5 goals very often at all, do we? So would I be surprised if Coventry won 1-0? No. If Luton won 1-0? No. Would I be surprised if it was 0-0 at 90 and we go to extra time? No. And if it's 0-0 at 90 and the game's not been stretched, that smells like penalties to me because you're going to bat and you do not want to lose 1-0 in extra time in the playoff final take it to take it to penalties and if you've done your practice take your take your chances there so I hope I'm totally wrong and it's the most mind-blowingly attacking playoff final we've got but you do not blame these managers you've already pointed out very accurately what's on on the line here it's the next generation for your club you can go up and score 10 points in the Premier League and next season be the favourites to win the championship with your parachute payment and you know, that can last for years winning this game. So I don't blame them for not wanting to lose it and maybe being a bit defensive. I expect it to be very tight. I've tipped I've tipped Coventry a couple of times, but with absolutely no confidence. The reason I've done that, Craig, is because I was impressed with how they did the semi-final and they've shown their tournament now. But I was also at Luton for the semi-second leg and they came back from behind and beat up on Sunderland. So... I've right, absolutely right down the middle. Um, on the basis of the league, Luton will win it. On the basis of the playoff semis, I'd have Coventry. On the basis of who's the best team, I'd have Luton. On the basis of who's got the star quality in a couple of players to 
match winners, maybe I'd have Coventry. I'm right down the middle on the fence, I have to say. Who do you think is going to win? I think it's going to be incredibly close. Incredibly, incredibly close. But I do have a feeling, based on the league position, Luton. There we go. So we've got, we've got both bases covered then. I'll get yeah. Coventry, you <laughs> yeah. go Luton then. <laughs> well, one of us is going to be right, but... <laughs> yeah. Benjamin, a pleasure as always to have you on the show. And before you go, please do tell everybody where they can find your fantastic channel. Oh, thank you. So I'm going to be at all three of the EFL playoff finals and you can find out my coverage. Uh, that will be at the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel. Just tap that in to YouTube uh, or I'm on Twitter as well and I'll plug all the stuff over there. Um, if you really want to help, um, you can get involved over on Patreon as well. But Seriously, just come and watch a video and click the like button and I'll be eternally grateful. And if you want to laugh, if you're a Bournemouth fan as well, um, you can smugly look at me predicting you to get relegated about three or four times this season as well. And um, Actually, I'll do, a, I'll do a reactions video to the Premier League predictions and uh, you, can, you can enjoy being right about that and me being wrong, hey? Yeah, definitely. The, you'll be pleased to know, Benjamin, they did leave you out of the montage um, <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the big screens. There was, of course, Jamie Carragher, Roy Keane, Gary Neville. I think there's ne a point, though, where yeah. you just have to be magnanimous about it and you have to say, we were favourites to go down. Look how well we've done. And yep. from my point of view, I would say, well, I don't really blame those people for thinking that, especially after Scott Parker's sounding off and losing... 9-0, everybody would have had you to go down then. But take the positive, brilliant job. And um, I'll just speak from the point of view of the, one of the people that makes these predictions. You don't want anyone to go down. You don't want Bournemouth to, to be relegated. You look at it. And I think what people don't realise as well is that a prediction for Bournemouth to be relegated is not just a prediction for Bournemouth to be relegated. It's a prediction for someone else to stay up. And yeah. you would have looked at it then and particularly, say, the Leeds, Leicester as well. I would <laughs> never have had Bournemouth finishing above Leicester, but they've been much better than them. And um, Gary O'Neill's done fantastically. And as much as people like to go get a bit angry, most of us are pleased. You know, it's like, well, well done. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Good thing to be wrong. But yeah, I was pleased not to be in the montage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, to be honest, he's done a fantastic job, Gary O'Neill. And, you know, full credit to him. We're totally unexpected. I thought, oh, he's going to be in over his head. That's going to be really hard. And just nice and quiet, calm. And the great thing as well, and I'd say this even for Luton or Coventry, whoever goes up, someone will self-destruct. And I'm not saying Bournemouth of, you know, Bournemouth's points total would keep them up most seasons. Well, how many Bournemouth yeah. got? Like 39? 39, yeah. Oh, God, keep them up every season pretty much, yeah. wouldn't it? So, you know, they've not done it because other teams have been bad. But, you know, someone will always do silly things and sack two managers and hang on too long and keep your head down, win your home games, don't be silly. And away you go and yeah more power to Gary O'Neill because <laughs> I didn't see that one coming brilliant work how difficult is it going to be for those teams at the bottom of course Everton are in the mix if they do drop into the championship you've got Leeds Leicester and of course Southampton are already gone I think 
I think Everton, well, you tell me, are Bournemouth gonna gonna give Leeds and Leicester a helping hand on the final day at Everton? You tell me. Do you know what? I said it before. I said it when we come out of the Brighton game and I said, it's going to come down to that last match and I think Everton will beat us. I'm going to stand by that. I that's think a, Everton Craig, that's a people. powerful home stadium when yes. they get, do you know what I mean? And um, I spoke to Jamie Mackey about this before the mm-hmm. Ipswich Exeter game, which was the promotion decider. Yeah. And he gave me a really good insight from a player's point of view, because he, he of course, played in the Aguero game where yeah. he scored in the um, yes. Aguero, the most famous final day game ever. And he said, ah, oh, Ben, but the thing there is we were fighting to, we had something on the game. And Mm -hmm. it's very difficult when one team's at home and they've got 40,000 roaring Liverpudlians behind them and they've got everything to lose. And Bournemouth have got, well, they've done their job. They're, They're already over the line. The point he made is if the home team makes a strong start, it's normally done. And he was... Yeah dead right in the Ipswich exit again. They started well and Exeter then couldn't fight. Obviously, the Bournemouth players are a completely different, different stratosphere to Exeter City players, no disrespect. But you'd imagine if Everton start that game strongly, I think they'll I think they'll win the game. Obviously, I've just been wrong about a Bournemouth prediction that I made earlier in the season. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give my view I was asked. So I think Everton will be all right. So I think it will be Leeds and... Um, Leicester, um, and again, it will make all the sense in the world for those teams to be right at the top of the championship and for all the championship teams to be um, down the bottom of the Premier League. We'll have a look. We'll see the transfer business. New managers have got to be hired. Um, And someone like Bournemouth have done this season will prove everybody wrong. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. And personally, I think if Everton do go down... I think they're the ones that are going to struggle the most to get out of the championship. Just needs a very, what's the word? Careful manager is all it yeah. needs. Um, do you know what? And they had him. They need someone to do what Rafa Benitez did at Newcastle. Just calm, use your size relative to the rest of the division. And they just blew everybody away in the first, you know. You're going to have to flog some players, get rid of them, but just calm you're way too big for the championship. Back up you go. But yeah, you're right. If wrong guy comes in, sell the wrong player, sign the wrong player, manager sacked in October, chasing your tail already and disaster. Yeah, but in theory, Everton in the championship should be 95 points and promoted first time, shouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. They are in financial mess, but we shall see. You never know what will happen um, on Sunday. Don't know what will happen on Saturday. We'll know who is in the Premier League by that time. But Benjamin, absolute pleasure to have you on and enjoy the playoff finals. And um, all the details of Benjamin's channel is in the description as well. Love it. Thank you so much, mate. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. Please remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button below to be alerted to any new videos we do here on Up the Cherries Nords Apartments. Please also do leave in the comments section who you think will win this championship final and also why. We'd love to see who everybody votes for and we'll also put a poll up 
on the YouTube channel as well. So please do make your votes. Until the next show, up the cherries and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for joining us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.